Blog Talk Radio. We do a couple other things with this program, uh, in case you don't know, and that is it goes on iTunes as part of a uh, podcast, so you can subscribe via iTunes, and it will download immediately into your iPhone, iPod, iPad, iWhatever, <laughs> and uh, that way you don't have to uh, try to keep track of when we're on. And we're going to try to get more regular with the programs coming before too long. I, I think that's something that would be really advantageous for uh, all of us is if we could have more regularity in the programs. Let me know if you like that and, and if that's something that you would listen to. And in addition, if you drop me an email at scott at scottmccain.com, it's S-C-O-T-T at S-C-O-T-T-M-C-K-A-I-N.com. If there's any particular time, any particular day of the week, any particular time that you find the best to listen, please let me know that. We'll try to schedule the show uh, around when most people are going to be available to be listening. We're going to be playing uh, part of the new audiobook from the Ultimate Customer Experience that will be released shortly. It's going to be the step one, uh, the first step that you take to achieve the Ultimate Customer Experience. That will be coming up before too long during this program. What does it take to create the Ultimate Customer Experience? In my upcoming book, the book is already available if you are in Asia or the Middle East. It is available already there. It will be coming to the United States very soon. We hope to have a big announcement about that coming up very shortly. But wherever you are in the world, what does it take to create the ultimate customer experience? As we examined the ultimate customer experience, we found that there were some steps that need to be taken. And most of my previous books, whether it's all business and show business, what customers really want or collapse or distinction, have really been written for the level of the manager or the business owner. And I wanted to do something different with this book. I wanted to find a way that those of us on the front lines – those us right there at the beginning who uh, who have to deal with customers each and every day. I wanted us to, to, to look at the steps necessary that it takes to create the ultimate customer experience for those people that are absolutely on the front line dealing with customers day in and day out. If that is you, well, this book is for you. We'll be looking at with the first of those steps a little bit later on in the program. In my first book, All Businesses Show Business, I wrote that the purpose of any business is to properly create experiences so compelling to customers that their loyalty becomes assured. When you can create an experience that is so compelling to the customers that you deal with, both internally and externally, when it's so compelling that they can't wait to come back and they want to share that experience with other people, now all of a sudden you've created an ultimate experience. You've done something that keeps the business coming back. And many of the organizations I'm working with now are talking about how do we grow our business it seems to me, you know, they're talking about how do we create net new customers. I'm going to suggest to you it's not just net new customers. It's net new revenue. It's, it's growing revenue. So Now, by net, we mean, obviously, the revenue grows more than it is currently. Uh, but by new, it means there's new money coming into the organization, uh, new ways that you are attracting revenue, that you're attracting sales to your company. We tend to think of creating net new revenue by creating net new customers. In other words, more people are going to come in and buy from us and do business with us. Don't get me wrong. That is critically important. If you want to create net new business, one of the ways you do that is to create net new customers. 
But another way that you create net new business is to have your current customers decide to spend more money with you. In other words, if, if you have a dry cleaners and the customers that you're serving are also dropping off some of their clothes someplace else, well, you've got to be so good that they're willing not to go anyplace else but to deal with you. If you're an insurance agent and you've sold a customer automobile insurance, but you're not insuring them in terms of life and, 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 and homeowners and, and other things like that, part of the way that you get net new business is to get your current customers to move their policies to you and start spending more money with you. That's part of why the ultimate customer experience is such an important strategy for every business, every profession, and every professional. Because it really takes a look at what you need to do to create net new revenue for your business. Because if you're creating an ultimate customer experience, not only do your current customers want to spend more money with you, in other words, they get so excited about doing business with you, they fire the other places where they're doing business, they spend more money with you, they come back more frequently, and they spend more money when they come back. But the other thing is they become advocates for you in the marketplace. Think about the places where you've received the ultimate customer experience. My bet is you want to tell people about how great the service is or how great the product is or how great the people are at that particular location. You tell your friends. Well, guess what happens? Then your friends go and start spending money there. So in other words, the, the customers that you impress with the ultimate customer experience not only come back more often and spend more money, they tell their friends. So you get net new revenue from your current customers and you get net new revenue from the friends that start doing business with you because your current customers become your advocates in the marketplace. If you want to create net new business, it's not just about buying more ads. It's about your current customers to expand their business and to enhance their advocacy of the business. Critically important for any and every organization, for any and every profession. Speaking of an amazing experience, today is the day, uh, particularly if you're, if you're downloading and listening to this later and not listening to this program live, uh, today was the day of the, the grand wedding in the United Kingdom. The, uh, the, the marriage, uh, the royal wedding uh, was held today, and it's, it's been fascinating to me, too, to look at what some of the commentators are saying about that, what the response of people uh, around the world uh, is to the wedding that was held today. And, you know, one of the amazing things about it is it, it was an incredible experience. Why is it so important for the, the royal family to do it? I mean, what? They could just absolutely get married in a private ceremony in Buckingham Palace, couldn't they? Well, the reason, I think, is that creating experiences enhance loyalty. If you want people to be loyal to the monarchy, then you have to give those people experiences about the majesty of the monarchy. Now, whether you agree with the monarchy or not, that's, that's not the issue I'm trying to raise here. What I'm saying is, if you do all the ceremonies in private, you lose the support of the people. By having a public ceremony broadcast throughout the world, over a billion people watching, a million people lined the wedding route in London today, police said. Uh, it's just absolutely amazing. And by creating that kind of experience, and, and by letting us have an experience and seeing this young couple get married and all of those kinds of things that make them real, guess what happens? It increases the support for the monarchy. It increases the, the, the legitimacy of, of the institution. Why? Because it's, it's hard to be loyal to something to which you have no feeling, right? Part of the reason they want to do this is to have, make you have feelings towards the, the, the prince and his new bride. Consider this. You're never loyal to something to which you have no feeling. When, when couples in their marriages have problems, in part it's because the feeling for one another isn't the same as it used to be. 
And when you lose that feeling, you also lose a degree of loyalty. I think the same is true in business. When our customers don't have an emotional connection with us, then they begin to lose the, the, the feeling. They begin to lose the loyalty. They lose the connectivity that all of us seek with our customers in any kind of business. So one of the most important things that you can do is to focus on the experience, to focus on the feelings. Interesting, though, isn't it? That's one of the things we're trained the least to do in any kind of business. We, we just don't find a way to, to study what does it take to create emotional experiences. We study the product. You know exactly what the product does. You know exactly how the product does it in your business. You know exactly the line of services you provide. But very seldom do we study the importance of creating the experience. Speaking with a doctor friend the other day, I asked him how much of his time in medical school was spent on bedside manner. You see, I just read a report saying that the reason that most doctors get sued for malpractice is not because there was a problem in how the, the, the knowledge that the doctor had was applied. It was not a clinical foul-up in many cases in malpractice suits. It was lack of emotional connection. In other words, patients don't sue the doctors that they like. They sue the doctors that they feel are not taking care of them and so or, or connected to them or care about them, right, in an emotional manner, not a medical manner. And so when I asked him, I said, you know, what? how, how much time did you spend in medical school on bedside manner and, and learning how to communicate with patients and talk with them because it's so important his response, and he'd been out of medical school a while, but his response was none. We didn't spend any time on it. But yet that's one of the most critical aspects in the effectiveness of any professional in his particular field. So part of what we have to do is go back to school in a way. We've got to study what it takes to create emotional experiences, and we have to take the first step toward achieving the ultimate customer experience. From the audio book of the new book that I've got coming out called The Ultimate Customer Experience, Here's step one. Here's what it takes to create an ultimate customer experience. Step one, make a great impression. Part of the challenge we encounter in creating ultimate customer experiences stems from the fact that we have three terms that should have different definitions, yet are traditionally used interchangeably. How many times have you heard these phrases? Customer satisfaction, customer service, customer experience. My bet is when you notice these terms being used, there's very little distinction made between them. Until we understand that these three are very dissimilar, especially when we examine them from the customer's point of view, it will be extraordinarily difficult to develop and execute the strategies necessary to create UCEs. In other words, if we cannot define what we're doing, how in the world can we accomplish it? As we proceed, you'll learn how these are fundamentally different aspects of our relationships with the customer. Later in this book, you'll learn the three distinct levels upon which we interact with all of our customers. However, let's begin at a pretty obvious place. The beginning. Consider this story. Dining with my wife this past Valentine's Day, the waiter approached our table in the crowded restaurant. I'm Jason. I'll be serving you tonight, he stated curtly. He was sweating profusely and scowling. I better get your drink order now because I'm, I'm really slammed. If you know what you want to eat, just go ahead and tell me that now, too. Wow. You know, that, that really enhanced the romantic atmosphere I was hoping to create. Now, the problem for Jason and his restaurant is that no matter what happens next, the experience of the evening is soiled. We wanted to have a nice, romantic Valentine's Day dinner, but instead, our first impression is that it's going to be a challenging night with a difficult server. Hey, don't get me wrong, I'm sorry that Jason is slammed, but what did he expect on Valentine's evening? And does he really think his problems should be transmitted to the people in charge of the table's post-meal tipping decision? The problem is he didn't stop to think about the importance and power of first impressions. 
Now, as I'm writing this, I'm sitting on a United flight from Indianapolis to Denver. My shoes are shined. I'm wearing my best dark suit. My shirt is pressed. I'm sporting a stylish tie. I'm doing my best to create a powerful image because when I arrive, I will be creating something very powerful, a first impression. My mother back home in tiny Crothersville, Indiana, is not an expert when it comes to business, but neither the march of time nor technology has made one of her parental cliches outmoded. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. However, if that's the case, why do so many professionals fail to understand its impact? For example, human resources executives tell me, and my personal experience supports, prospective employees often kill their chances by focusing their communication upon what they want from the job rather than what they can contribute to the organization with whom they are interviewing. Certainly part of that interviewing process has to contain details about your experience and your education. However, what every organization seeks from you in an interview is for you to display a passion for performance directed toward the company from which you seek employment. A website I visited, gradview.com, lists some pretty awful approaches taken by some interviewees. For example, applicant brought her large dog to the interview. Applicant stretched out on the floor to fill out the job application. Applicant challenged the interviewer to arm wrestle for the job. Applicant said he wasn't interested because the job paid too much. A telephone call came in for the job applicant. His side of the conversation went as follows. Which company? When do I start? What's the salary? When the interviewer said he assumed the applicant was not interested in completing the interview, he promptly responded, I am as long as you'll pay me more. The interviewer did not hire him and later found out there was no offer. It was a scam to get a better job. <laughs> Funny, of course. But what does this have to do with customer experiences? Well, first, the most terrifying aspect is that these people are probably working somewhere. And what type of customer experiences do you suppose they are creating for the customers they encounter? More importantly, however, it's the lack of knowledge about how to deliver a powerful, positive, professional impression that lasts. And let's face it, the impressions we create in our professional life follows the same model as our personal one. By the way, when I originally wrote this book and published it in Asia, I discussed in this chapter the importance of first impressions. However, as some readers have shared, we create an impression every single time we interact with a customer. Therefore, I've come to realize it's not solely about first impressions. It's about every single impression we create for our customers every single time we deal with them. How do you create a positive impression? Center your thinking on these three points. Number one, everything matters. Number two, focus on the other. Number three, be your best self. First, everything matters. The more important the impression, the greater your focus should be on everything. Legend has it that Henry Ford was interviewing a prospective executive over breakfast for a major management position with his then rapidly growing company. When the candidate took the shaker and salted eggs he had yet to taste, the cantankerous Ford said, this interview is over. When asked to explain to the stunned executive, Ford replied, if you'll salt eggs you have yet to taste without knowing whether or not they need it, you'll probably spend my money without knowing whether or not it will bring results. Thankfully, not every customer is as persnickety as Ford was as an interviewer. However, for all of us evaluating the impression we create with customers, everything, no matter how small, matters. Second, focus on the other, as in the other person, the organization that is interviewing you, the blind date across the table. If you center your communication upon yourself, 
you run the risk of appearing vain, arrogant, or insecure. If you channel your insights to impact their needs, wants, and concerns, you appear confident and the kind of person we all want as a colleague or partner. And you represent the kind of organization where we want to spend our hard-earned money. Third, be your best self. Now, usually, this is the point where someone says that you should just be yourself. However, that's not what makes the best impression. Being myself could include the self that smokes too many cigars at a local steakhouse or gets too rowdy at football games. My best self is the one who is attuned to the challenges and needs of others, who seeks to identify solutions rather than problems, and who projects strength through humility. I would suggest that is your best self, too. One of my favorite websites, allbusiness.com, recently had a post quoting an article by Barry Himmel, originally published in Rental Product News, regarding the impact of first impressions on a customer. Consider these two phone interactions, the article asks. Example one, inside sales coordinator, ABC Rentals, how can I help you? Customer, I need to rent a backhoe for a week. Sales coordinator, okay, what size backhoe? Here's example two, inside sales coordinator. Thank you for calling ABC Rentals. This is Barry. How can I help you? Customer, I need to rent a backhoe for a week. Sales coordinator, great. I will be happy to help you with that. May I get your name, please? As Himmel states in the article, the differences might seem slight, but actually they're significant. The personalization in the second example takes almost no additional time, but it can leave a significant impact on your customer. Remember my encounter with Taxi Terry? The first impression he created was incredible. First, he set the stage for an ultimate customer experience. Are you ready for the best cab ride of your life, he asked. If we were to survey your customers about the experience they anticipated based upon the first impression they had of you, what would their answers be? Second, Taxi Terry learned my name, then used it repeatedly in the conversation. There was no doubt in my mind he had made an effort to connect with me personally and as Barry Himmel suggests in the previously mentioned article, his personalization made a significant impact upon this customer. Had Taxi Terry had a bad day on the particular date I was riding in his cab? Honestly, I don't know. He made the trip all about my needs and wants, not his. And like Jason, the waiter from the earlier example, Terry put his effort and focus upon the other, the customer, instead of upon himself. My friend and famed motivational speaker Zig Ziglar is often quoted as saying, you can have everything in life that you want if you just give enough other people what they want. Jason the waiter wasn't too concerned about what we wanted. He was slammed and preferred to get our ordering and dining over with as quickly as possible to serve his need to turn the table and make more money. In fact, we never returned to that restaurant again because of the terrible experience for which the tone was firmly set by his initial impression. On the other hand, every time I go to Jacksonville, Florida, Taxi Terry is there to pick me up. I've done business multiple times with Terry, and I know of many other people who have used his services based upon my recommendations. And every time he has created a powerful and compelling impression upon me that compels me to continue to do business with him and his organization. The point is, by creating ultimate customer experiences, beginning with an extraordinary first impression and lasting with every impression we create, Terry is achieving the high volume of business he desires. He is getting what he wants by giving his customers what they want. However, as another great motivational speaker, the late Jim Rohn, used to say, that which is easy to do is also easy not to do. 
which explains why most people won't do it. In other words, it's easy to answer the phone in the manner of the previous example, too. It's so easy, in fact, most people will just settle for doing it like example one. It's almost too simple. It doesn't require the expenditure of any funds, and it only costs you a tiny bit of effort and discipline, yet it makes such an extraordinary difference. How many cab drivers could have said, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? The answer, of course, all of them. Yet up until my encounter with Taxi Terry, how many had said that to me? The answer, of course, none of them. Naturally, you can do better. And the way you begin to create ultimate customer experiences is to start with an ultimate impression. That is step one from the book, The Ultimate Customer Experience, on how you create those kinds of experiences for your customers. If you'd like to call, we have just a few minutes left. It's area code 347-855-8312. 347-855-8312. Well, as you heard, the first step to creating the ultimate customer experience is to make a great impression. One of the things that you may have heard uh, during that chapter was that when the book was originally released in Asia, uh, the title of the chapter was Make a Great First Impression. And I talked about the importance of creating these great first impressions and, and how that can set the stage for creating ultimate customer experiences. Well, one of the things that the readers in Asia pointed out, and they were exactly right, is that every impression is important. How many places have you gone where one particular clerk or one particular sales representative or one particular employee makes this absolutely fabulous impression, and then you return to that same location again, and another person makes a rotten impression. So every single time, every single impression, every single interaction, every single contact that we have with, with our customers, with, with our clients, is of critical, critical importance. So uh, for the book here, I've changed it from make a great first impression to make a great impression. Because every single experience, every single time begins with you making a terrific impression on the customers that you seek to serve. By the way, I just want to give a quick shout-out. Uh, one of my favorite programs that I've ever done here on Blog Talk Radio was when a, a, a guy by the name of Mike Henry Sr. from Owasso, Oklahoma, called in. And Mike uh, was kind enough to retweet here about this show going on. So, Mike, if you're listening, I just want to say thank you for the retweet and thank you for the time that you called in. And I hope we have a chance. We don't have very many, much time left on this show. But I hope we get a chance to do it again and have you talk about leadership and that and, and hope we have a chance to talk in the near future as well. Critical importance, the ultimate customer experience, how you communicate with, how you deal with, what you do as you talk with your clients is, is so critically important. So many times we see organizations that focus on the product, they focus on the service, and they spend little, if any, time focusing on the customer. Uh, in, in a blog post I did today, I talked about the fact that 48.2 million Americans, according to control, every single smoke cigarettes. Now, the question I started wondering about is, how many of them have absolutely no idea that there's health risks involved? So despite this overwhelming evidence of how detrimental it is to their health, they just do it anyway. These people need more information than already know what smoking isn't good for them. It's that they need the wisdom to make the right decision and the motivation to break the cycle and do what they already know is right. Now, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's easy to do. Talk to anybody that has stopped smoking, and, and, and if they've had the habit for a long time, they will tell you how difficult it is. So it, it's simple, 
you got to have the wisdom to know to quit and the motivation to follow through to do it. It's, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's, it's not easy at all. But there's a reason why that's important to you in business. Take a look at what happened just this past week. Research in Motion, the company that makes the BlackBerry phone, released its tablets called the Playbook. Now, if you read the reviews of the Playbook, it's absolutely astonishing to me. Because as David Pogue wrote in the New York Times, that, that, that RIM just shipped a BlackBerry product that can't do email. It's true. The Playbook does not have an email, a calendar, or address book apps of its own. So what basically happened, I would think, is that somewhere along the way, the folks at Research in Motion, the, the BlackBerry folks, said to one another, we're an important company. We can't let Apple get so far ahead of us. They got a tablet. We got to get our tablet on the market right now. In other words, even though somewhere in them they had to know, it wasn't ready yet if it doesn't have an email app or a calendar app or an address book app. The very things for which BlackBerry is so known and widely respected for, somewhere in them they had to know it wasn't right. Yet, they focused more on product than people. See, sometimes even though we know things aren't right, the destructive behavior that we're engaged in is so powerful, we just do the wrong thing anyway. I'm going to suggest to you that the right thing for you to do organizationally and individually, now and in the future, is to continue to create ultimate customer experiences. This is Scott McCain. I've sure enjoyed being with you. We'll continue these uh, talks you know, either on Twitter, it's just Scott McCain. On Facebook, I'm there as well. Uh, Scott at ScottMcCain.com is my email address. You can get in touch with me through my website at ScottMcCain.com. Please let us know what you like and what other topics you'd like to have us talk about. We'd love to continue the conversation with you here on Blog Talk Radio, Live 365. You can subscribe to this on iTunes. It is a pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon.